Hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to a, a new edition of Progress Kentucky's Kernels of Truth. Uh, my name is Aaron Viles. I'm excited to be with you this evening. We are going to be getting into the, the new legislative session, General Assembly, that is just kicking off in Frankfurt. As I like to say it, the circus is back in Frankfurt uh, with all the entertainment and hijinks and no, not seemingly serious efforts to move our Commonwealth forward, at least uh, under the leadership of the current supermajority GOP. So lots of important stories to get to uh, and really excited to have a, a couple of great co-hosts with me today uh, and really excited to be uh, talking with Dee Pregliasco, who is with the uh, the Kentucky League of Women Voters. She's the redistricting chair, so has been working on their Fair Maps campaign. We're going to get her response to the maps that were released uh, yesterday and earlier, uh, and you know what the the league thinks of them and the process by which they were created. Uh, and then we're going to close with our call to action and our events calendar. So, but first, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? I hope you are. Uh, we know our Commonwealth has some work to do if we're going to beat back the red wave of bad politics and policy from the GOP supermajority in Frankfurt, from their efforts to silence Democrats and shield policy creation from public eyes, to halting all efforts to put a historic rainy day fund to work for the people. We need your help. Uh, if you want a Commonwealth that works for all of us, please join Progress Kentucky. You can do it uh, in a very few easy steps. Just follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, kind of wherever you spend time on social media. Make sure to like and share and comment on our content to help juice those algorithms so more people hear about it, see it, uh, and act on it. If you like what you're hearing here on Kernels of Truth, give us, give us a thumbs up leave us a review or share out the show. So uh, that's all you need to do. Pretty easy to join up. It doesn't require any sort of, you know, dues necessarily. You don't have to take any sort of, you know, uh, you know pet test to be a member uh, or, uh, you know, you don't have to swear an oath or an allegiance. Just if you want a more compassionate commonwealth, if you want to see more progressive politics in our state, Come on and help us out. So uh, we're going to check in with our co-hosts, say who you are, where you are, and what does your protest sign say today? Uh, and you there watching on the internet, you can go ahead and share your protest sign. What, do you, what are you protesting currently? Uh, my name is Aaron. I'm coming to you from uh, uh, Lexington, a lovely community, uh, Childsburg. Uh, and uh, my sign says today, I've used this one before, but it seems very appropriate for today. Voters should pick their representatives, not vice versa. Uh, how about you, Doug? Uh, yes, I'm Doug Price from Harrison County. 
my protest sign. I actually printed it out again. Progress or regress. I choose progress. Lovely. And I think we are also joined uh, by Kimberly Cecil Jones. Yes. Hi, everybody. I'm coming to you live from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, sorry, there's a pick up, pick up there of me today because I've got the flu, you guys, but I just couldn't miss out on being with family. But my my protest sign would say today, build back better must pass. Uh, well, from your lips to Joe Manchin's ears, uh, thank you so much for uh, for joining us, despite the health uh, health considerations you're dealing with. And I hope you feel better very soon, Kimberly. No fun to have have the flu. Uh, all right, so uh, we are going to talk a little bit about this this circus being back in Frankfurt. Uh, what we know is that the sixty day session kicked off uh, this week. And the GOP were kind of immediately up to their old tricks. So introducing legislation to to limit debate so they could cut off debate as quickly as possible and also kind of shield policy development from public scrutiny. So they would you know, basically reduce the requirements to let the public know what bills are being heard and what uh, committees seemingly, you know, I'm not quite sure what the value of that is other than to keep the public in the dark about what they're up to. Uh, it's almost like they don't you know, want the public to know, which weird, if you're doing the people's work, you're represented people representing your constituents, why wouldn't you want them to know uh, what you're doing there? Uh, and, you know, this is, of course, it's a long session. It's a 60 day session, a lot of time for things to get done. It's a budget session. So theoretically that's, you know, something they're going to need to do. They're going to need to, uh, you know, the, the governor will propose a budget. They will likely, you know, not act on all the things he wants to act on. But we do have a, a historic rainy day fund that has been accumulated through, you know, some tax uh, activity and also through, uh, you know, these these big federal expenditures like the, the American Rescue Plan and, and other federal funding. There's more coming with the uh, new uh, in um Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. So those resources will be showing up. Uh, those programs are being uh, put together. So there's, it should be a historic opportunity for the state to really invest in its people and its infrastructure uh, to you know, apply for more federal resources through the grant programs that have been set up through the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Uh, but it's going to take some leadership. And I don't know, I'm just a little bit, <laughs> I'm a little bit skeptical that this current crop of Republicans are up to that task. Uh, I'm very happy to say that we've got Doug Price up next, who's done a kind of a deep dive on a number of the different you know, pieces of legislation that are uh, that are being brought up uh, and uh, excited to hear what he has uh, has targeted. But I will say this, like right out of the gates, I've been uh, underwhelmed with how the, the GOP is, has approached the people's house there in Frankfurt. Uh, what do you guys think? Oh yeah, there's there's no question. This this session is going to be uh, I don't want to call it a bloodbath, but uh, pretty much the Republicans have set the tone. Uh, it is my way or it's a highway. Um, I, although I did attend a, a Zoom meeting the other day where four legislators, two R's, two D's, were talking about uh, banned conversion therapy, and they were actually working together, which that was a very uh, nice 
sight to see. We need more of that. Did you, I, and I didn't attend that. I saw that band conversion therapy was putting that together. Did they, you know, did they mention if they had commitments from the commit, proper committee chairs to like hear the bill? Uh, was that something they, they knew about yet? Uh, I don't remember them saying that, but um, you would think that with the Republican majority, if you've got a couple of Republicans who are interested in a particular bill that uh, that will get a uh, committee hearing. Now, if it had been four Democrats, there's a good likelihood that unless the Republican uh, Senate majority leader and, and the House leader was interested in the bill going forward, there's a likelihood that it, it would not even get out of a committee or even be assigned to a committee. Right. And I think, you know, it, it doesn't matter if they like the bill or not, right? If there's a Democrat leading the charge on it, they're not going to move those bills, right? right. Uh, so you've got to have this kind of the servant leadership of the Democratic uh, representatives going out, finding people from the other part side of the aisle who will take on that legislation, be the primary sponsor, and be the face and the name behind it. Otherwise, it's going to get shut down. You know, it's definitely, you know, it's. Republicans uberalis there in Frankfurt. They are not looking to, you know, share the limelight, share the credit, you know, move things forward that the public wants. It's just what's, you know, kind of what the Republicans want. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say that good to see that the band conversion therapy folks, you know, have Republican co-sponsors lined up. I would also say those Democrats probably should just step back and let them, you know, talk behind the scenes uh, to, to push those bills forward. Just, you know, from a purely political uh, perspective. That's that's my suggestion. I, I do want to clarify one thing. I, I said that they were not assigned to a committee. Those kind of bills that they don't want to uh, move forward are assigned to the committee on committees. And then that's where they die. The, the committee on committees. Wonderful. Uh, Kimberly, how about you? you got what, what are your hopes for this legislative session is there anything that you you would like to see done are you uh are you hopeful are you skeptical are you uh terrified what's what's your view of uh, what's going on in frankfurt so far and kimberly you are muted All right. Uh, we are going to, I guess, move into. Uh, okay. Can you guys hear me now? Now? Yes. Now we can hear you. Okay. Now. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. What I was going to say actually is this right here. You know, I'm hopeful. I always want to be hopeful. I never want to lose that. However, I am terrified because of the people that we do have um, in Frankfurt. Uh that have their own agenda. It's not the people's agenda. It's not what the people care about. It never is. And I feel sorry for the Democrats that are at, you know, that are up there in Frankfurt. I feel sorry for our governor because he doesn't get the support that he should have. So, you know, this is kind of like wait and see and also kind of like more of the same. That's what I would say about it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like if you paid attention to the last legislative session where it seemed like the full Republican agenda was to give our tax dollars to corporations and take away the governor's powers, you know, this is likely going to be a little bit more of the same with the exciting addition of 
screwing with the legislative districts as much as humanly possible to game the system so Republicans have uh, as much of a, an advantage as they possibly can, which, you know, they've got an advantage. There's a reason they're a supermajority, uh, but, you know, to game the system even further in how they're drawing those maps and uh, and protect incumbents. So that's definitely something that we'll be talking about more uh, with our guest, Dee Pregliasco from the Kentucky League of Women Voters. But I know, Doug, you've done some diligence, some deep dive, you've got your homework done, and you've got a, a slate of le uh, legislative efforts that you know could be in the wings, could be waiting. I'm excited to hear what you've got with us, for us. Sure, thank you, Aaron. Uh, last week, I updated uh, the show on some really problematic pre-file bills, uh, covered critical race theory, which is not being taught in Kentucky schools, but it appeals to the Republican base uh, wanting to make sure that schools don't teach critical race theory. They don't. They don't have any plans to. And they also have pre-filed bills on vaccinations, specifically COVID-19. They want to allow parents to tell schools they can't make children take the COVID vaccine, even though this is beneficial for society as a whole. But Tonight, I'm going to focus more on some efforts that the Kentucky Democrats are champion, championing. Of course, because they are, it's unlikely the GOP supermajority will let these bills see the light of day or even receive a committee on committee hearing. Uh, some of these items include codifying items in the Affordable Care Act, which includes a prohibition against denying a policy issue due to pre-existing conditions or requiring preventative services at no cost, allowing individuals to remain on health insurance until age 26. Is this a Democratic or Republican issue or a caring about a human issue? If you ask anyone on the street, they would say that, would, would they say they are against all of the, any or all these items? Um, the Democrats are going to be talking about expanding voter access, specifically extending voting hours, allowing same-day registration, enhancing absentee voting and early in-person voting, and potentially automatically restoring voting rights for certain nonviolent felony offenders. And again, is this a partisan issue? Can we all agree that each of these items can be accomplished with guardrails? When we voted in the delayed 2020 June primary elections, we had a 60% voter turnout, and that was during COVID. One person, one vote. So why not work to increase voting as opposed to restricting voting? I'm working on a report related to the Kentucky Secretary of State's office and awaiting an answer to an open records request. Secretary of State Adams has been releasing data on the number of voters removed from the voter rolls, most due to dead people being removed. It seems like it should be pretty easy to determine if dead people have voted. Certainly we have had voter fraud in the past, but when asked this question at a LRC hearing, Secretary Adams was unable to point to an actual case of voter fraud. Louisville Republican Representative Attorney Jason Nemes once defended a person accused of voter fraud, the culprit was found guilty. As part of this report, I'm analyzing the 1955 constitutional amendment change to the Kentucky Constitution, which determined that idiots and insane people cannot vote. 
Would you believe that 531 voters declared mentally incompetent had been removed from the voter rolls from January through November of 2021, including 269 in June of 2021? Most states allow for felony offenders to have their voting rights restored. If you do the crime, you should serve the time. But again, one person, one vote. Some states do not take away the right to vote even when a person is in prison. It's Kentucky in the dark ages. Another hot button issue is legalizing medicinal marijuana. On KET's Kentucky Tonight, Republican Senator Damon Thayer was questioned about an issue and he said that he supported it because over 70% of Kentuckians support that issue. Later, when asked about supporting the legalization of medicinal marijuana, he stated emphatically that he was against legalization. One of the other legislators noted that this issue is supported by over 90% of Kentuckians. And when Thayer was asked about this, suddenly it became an issue of, I don't support. So essentially telling 90% of Kentuckians to, well, there are a lot of ways I can say this, but maybe not on this show. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, the next item that is on the Democrats' agenda is universal paying for universal PK, pre-K. Now, who would be against this? What would a poll on this issue reflect? Again, this is not an R or D issue. This should be a slam dunk. Uh, another important issue is restoring emergency powers to the governor. Governor Bashir worked to mitigate the COVID-19 pandemic and the Republican-controlled legislature fought him at every turn. Can we agree that the CEO of the Commonwealth needs powers in order to act quickly and not have to call legislators in order to get an okay? The last item I'm going to touch on deals with the horse racing industry. Uh, they would like to make some changes which would allow the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission to regulate the licensure and operation of sports wagering. Just about every state contiguous to Kentucky has allowed this. Uh, and also to be able to regulate fantasy contests and online poker games. This one should be interesting because in the 2020 short session, legislators passed a historic racing bill that allowed the Commonwealth to circumvent the Kentucky Constitution and legislators pledged they would increase the amount of revenue being provided to the state's coffers during this session. If they don't, then we would have the specter of politicians breaking their word. Oh my. Lastly, I think House Democratic leader Joni Jenkins said it best. These issues have had wide support from across the Commonwealth over the years. And she added that they're needed to raise much needed revenue, provide medicinal relief, protect health care, restore longstanding gubernatorial powers, and enhance voter access. Again, who can vote against these items? Not I. I say kudos to those progressive members of the House. Back to you, Aaron. Yeah, that seems like a pretty solid lineup of common sense legislation that I'm sure will not move forward. Although, you know, I think the medical marijuana one is certainly one that, you know, there's been, you know, a lot of support from a Republican at least, right? Uh there's Jason Nemes, I think, has worked really hard to try to advance that. Uh, I don't know that things are much different this 
legislative session than previous legislative sessions under that common sense legislation. But hopefully, fingers crossed. And again, it's something that people can contact their lawmakers and ask them directly. I think that's one thing that we, you know, we haven't said it yet, but no, no matter who your lawmaker is, even if you, you know, vehemently disagree with them, uh, you know, make sure you are in contact with them. Make sure you're communicating with them and they are hearing it. They are seeing it. You can call the legislative, uh, you know, the the hotline and leave a message for them. You can at least leave a message for the entire you know, House or the entire Senate if you like. Uh, but always make sure to leave a message with your lawmaker uh, and that they know that you are, in fact, a constituent and you are paying attention. That stuff matters, especially on those common sense legislation that, we, that you know, Doug just ran through. So um, I think. We've got uh, Kimberly. Do you want to lay, weigh in on that kind of slate of bills, or do you want to get into your your news items? I think I'm just going to get into my news items at this point because it kind of ties a little bit into that. Um, uh, what we're going to be talking about today, and, right. and how yeah. and how much time we're going to take to talk about it? What are we are we doing? Then last week, the last time we did this, you came in under five minutes. So I was very impressed. Uh, and I think, you know, are you going to keep the streak alive? I think I can. I think All I right. can. Okay. Right. Who's right, timing Kimberly. me? I don't want Doug to do it. I think he cheated. Doug is very even handed. Doug is very even handed. He's not a cheater. Well, you know what my mom is going better. <laughs> My, my mama always said cheaters never win, so I'm just saying. Okay, here we go. Ready, set, go. All right. Now, first of all, Kentucky Republican floor leader, Senator Damon Thayer, doesn't care if you or any other Kentuckian wants medical marijuana legalized. And actually, like, we should be... Kimberly, I don't know what has happened. We can't hear you right now, I don't think. Um, check your audio. Can you hear me now? Now, yes. Okay. So, uh, can you hear me now? Still yes. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Still yes. Okay. Maybe this is I counting hear- against your time, just to be clear. No, this you have to take that off. No, really. So in a KET interview, and I think this is what we were talking about earlier, the Georgetown lawmaker said he doesn't support it, as we well know. But here goes the other caveat to that. This is what this is what Damon Thayer said. He said, Kentucky lawmakers know they can keep getting reelected if they have a bit of power and are in front of their name. We know that Mitch McConnell's been doing it. But how about this? If I tell you that he said to all of his constituency, if you don't like it, you can take it out on me in the next election. And he is not up for election until 2024, as we well know. Can you guys still hear me? Okay. We can, yes. Okay, thank you. Okay, so the next thing is a solid nomination. Oh, spoke too soon. Now we can't hear you. What is going on with your audio? Cannot hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes. I'm on my phone today. I'm not on the computer. That might be the reason why. Okay, but uh, let's move right along here to 
uh, a solid nominee for District 42. The Louisville Democratic Party has chosen our nominee to run for Representative Reginald Meeks State House seat um, as the longtime lawmaker uh, prepares to retire. Uh, we went through all of that and there were three contenders or candidates, as you may call, and Keturah Heron uh, was the undisputed winner of that. And she is a former ACLU lobbyist who pushed for Louisville and Kentucky to ban no-knock warrants. She also is the first openly LGBTQIA plus House member in Kentucky's history. And of course, she's not the only promising candidate. Uh, it is noted that Robert Lavertis Bell a democratic socialist and public school teacher says he will also be on the ballot for. Oh, we lost it. Kimberly. So that's the district 42. All right. You're back. Okay. I'm back. Okay. I don't know what's going on. I think I'm the, um, the devil is a liar. Okay. So new year, more violence. And this is about Jefferson County. Okay. Louisville closed out another blood soaked year with a record breaking 188 homicides in 2021. And the crime wave does not show signs of stopping the shooting that resulted in the first homicide of 2022 occurred on new year's day. Perhaps Louisville's greatest hope of Stemming the tide of violence is stricter gun laws, but of course the Kentucky legislature only seems interested in making it easier for people to get their hands on firearms in the current legislative season. So also as far as Rand Paul is concerned, he's announced that he will no longer be posting to YouTube unless it's critical to criticize the platform, which has suspended him in the past for spreading COVID. We lost you, Kimberly. And Paul. Now you're back. Now. <laughs> Rand Paul is just going to be talking his mess to an empty chamber as usual because nobody gives a damn about what Rand Paul says. <laughs> Yo, I, 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 will, I will say this. I, I feel for him a little bit because we've also been blocked in that, you know, when we dared talk about COVID, you know, uh, the fact that we talked about vaccines and that people should get vaccines and that Rand Paul was misinforming people about COVID, that got us like blocked on the channel. So I, I feel you, Rand. Uh, but yeah, you should stop spreading misinformation. Then you, it's prob probably more likely you'll still stay on the... On the uh, on I don't have any sympathy for him. I'm sorry. I have no sympathy for Rand Paul or any of them. I really don't. That's the reason why our lives are so hard now because of them. Well, I'm not saying we should reelect him. I'm just saying the YouTube platform was a little arbitrary in my in my judgment. They felt a little arbitrary when they were knocking down our videos. Uh, but yeah, I, I shouldn't take I shouldn't interrupt because you've got five minutes. Uh, and you do you have any more stories to tell? Um, I do have something that I would like to say um, very quickly. There is a young lady right here in Jefferson County. She has been missing since the day after Christmas. Her name is Twanisha Lewis. And we, people have been able to reach out to her, but she's running in the streets and um, she's 
has a missing persons report on her. The police are looking for her, but we don't know if she's running somewhere else in Kentucky. She's only 15 years of age. She's 5'5", 137 pounds. And anybody can go to my Facebook page, Kimberly Cecil Jones, to see a picture of Twanisha Lewis. And lo and behold, her mother, Marie Wren, uh, also... Um, Back in 2016, both of her sons were murdered at the same time by Bryce Rhodes. So this is just um, just a lot for this community, a lot for that family. So I thank you. I'm I'm done. So Doug, how 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 that turn out? Look at that! Right, so apparently that's the sweet spot. We give we should give Kimberly five minutes, and no matter what's happening, no matter what audio difficulties are going on, uh, even if I interrupt her a little bit, she's still going to hit the uh, be under five minutes. So news under five minutes. That's what we've got as our yeah. Uh, and that was our our news of the week. So uh, thanks so much for tuning in for that. We are going to be speaking very very quickly uh, with uh, with D. Pegliasco, but before we bring her on, I want to remind our audience uh, that you know the 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 Western Kentucky tornado uh, impacts and recovery, the relief work there is still absolutely underway. It's really important for people to stay involved and to stay supportive. Uh, our friends with uh, Four Rivers Indivisible are doing some you know, handing up some handing out masks to people so they can stay safe in that process. That's a really great uh, grassroots effort. There's another couple of ways we're encouraging people to help. Uh, the two ways that we are uh, asking folks to get involved, support the governor's uh, Team Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund, uh, and then also our partners with the Commonwealth Alliance Donor Table, the Kentucky Civic Engagement Table, or KSET, and uh, Hood to the Holler have a mutual aid fund to be directed to grassroots groups supporting the short-term and long-term mutual aid and disaster relief for those communities who are impacted by the tornadoes. They're going to be prioritizing the groups that serve Kentuckians who may otherwise be neglected by relief efforts, you know, Black, Indigenous, people of color, refugee, immigrant, uh, poor, working-class Kentuckians. And again, I, you know, I, I was in New Orleans when Katrina happened, and I can tell you kind of the firsthand stories I heard about people who kind of slipped through the cracks that you know, FEMA or Red Cross were not able to meet their needs, unwilling to meet their needs. It's really important that groups on the ground have the resources to step in because those, uh, you know, it's 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 real. It's going to be an issue. So uh, that's one uh, kind of two things you could do to help out for sure. That would be very valuable. Uh, all right. So just want to make sure that we uh, we have D. Uh, D is here and ready to go. So D is, uh, I, I believe, the redistricting chair of the Kentucky League of Women Voters. Uh, yes. The Kentucky League of Women Voters has been incredibly active, uh, you know, since the, you know, the first whiff of uh, redistricting happening. Obviously, it's something we can predict. We know it's happening. It's every ten years, uh, based on the census. But they were, um, you know, advocates for a fair maps process and were uh, very vocal and organized in their efforts to ensure the process for new maps would be fair. Uh, and we now that the maps, uh, the first maps are proposed and are out, we wanted to check back in with D to get uh, to get her take on how how that process went uh, and whether or not it's fair. And what is, what is what are they what does the League of Women Voters think of of what we're seeing right now? So, uh, D, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Very good. Um, obviously, this is a busy week as the uh, first days of the legislature meeting and they have already put forth their bills 
for the House maps, the Senate maps, and the congressional maps. So tell me, how much time do I have? Because you can imagine uh, we've been so immersed in this effort uh, really intensely since 2017 that I could talk about this forever. So just give me an idea or shut me up whenever you think I need to be quiet. I think we've got about, you know, 15 or 20 minutes for our conversation. We want to make sure that we are kind of done by the time Andy goes live with his State of the Commonwealth address. And that starts at 7. Uh, so we got some time. We can, we can, you know, maybe not the full history of the league's right. engagement, but uh, the highlights for sure. Well, let me just emphasize this, that the league is nonpartisan. We don't support parties or candidates. But what we have pushed for has been would be an open, transparent process uh, that would have public input. And what's interesting is, is it turns out, obviously, Democrats and Republicans all over the country have been bad actors. And the Democrats controlled the situation in Kentucky for years, probably decades, several, several decades. But what's interesting is if you go back and look at the record, uh, you can find that Republicans pushed for independent commissions or advisory commissions. And that's what we pushed for starting last year in 2020, as well as this year. So for two years, we pushed having an advisory commission to the legislature because the Constitution of Kentucky provides that the power to do redistricting resides in the legislature. So we know that. We knew that. What we were pushing for is an advisory commission. In other words, go out um, uh, in the state, have public hearings, and get input from people all over Kentucky. Again, you know, the voters, the voters that put the legislator, legislators there in office, listen to them before you do this map drawing process. We got nowhere last year, no, nowhere this year, even with pushing forward. Uh, we pushed a joint resolution that they would have an open process. We actually talked with some legislators, uh, both Republican and Democratic. You all might know we put out maps last year with the old census numbers. And this year we put them out twice. Uh, one at, about September when the first information came out that had the details. And then by in the first of December of this year, after we had eight public forums all over the state, we published maps again. And you can find all of that on our website, lwvky.org. It's a wealth of information about redistricting. And I hope people listening will do that and educate themselves about uh, this issue. What puts us at odds and why we have not approved the House maps are the Senate what the Senate has put forth, even though the House wanted us to, they kept asking, are you going to approve our maps, is we paid no attention to incumbents. Our position is, and that, and that's, the National has that position, and the National pushes that position, even where there are Democrats as well as Republicans. So it's our national uh, position. You don't protect incumbents. In other words, we, the voters, should pick our elected officials. They shouldn't pick us. But what's interesting is uh, when Senator Stivers uh, testified today, it was real, really interesting to hear him say, we didn't pit incumbents against incumbents. Well, guess what? That, that supports our point right there, is they protect, protected incumbents. Uh, and we didn't do that at all. And we don't think that's what should happen. So what about the maps? Let me sort of, because uh, I'll be glad to, to take some questions for those that are on uh, too. Let me, let me talk about the the house maps first, but but let me remind everybody of this. This is what makes all of us really angry. The house maps were produced last Thursday. They had a press conference. 
That's the Thursday of a holiday weekend before they were going to introduce the bill yesterday, which they did. The Senate, okay, the Senate did not introduce their bill to today. So we didn't have any idea what the Senate maps for both the Senate and Congress looked like until today, excuse me, until yesterday. Now you tell me this is a this is a fairly complicated process. It involves the whole state, involves 120 counties, all the cities, all the precincts, everything all over the state. All right, does that give anybody? And, and let's face it, we've been immersed in it for a long time. Does it give anybody time to review the maps, analyze the maps, get public comments, and then get those that information back to the legislature? Obviously not. What um, Representative Osborne said on Thursday was this, this bill will be introduced Tuesday and we'll vote on it no later than Saturday. Now, what does that say right there? That's not an open, transparent process with public input. While we met with some of the Republican legislators uh, and, and met with one uh, of the uh, Republican senators and, and we shared our maps, our maps were out there for the public to see last year and all of this year. Uh, we shared things with them, but it's not as though while they were drawing them that they actually came to us and sat down or for that matter, any groups other than incumbents. Uh, they, they all have said this, oh yeah, we talked to officials in various counties, et cetera. Well, what we know what they did is they talked to each other. They talked to fellow representatives or fellow uh, senators. So how about the house? Well, you can again see that see those maps, and they have finally gotten put those online, and you you can see them compared to what we've done, and the House Democrats have uh, put up uh, maps also. But what we do know is that there are a lot of issues involving the sort of slicing and dicing of some of the counties that have fairly substantial cities. So we're concerned, and again, we don't have the we we need the data. Uh, and the principles that they used, and we have not been able to get that yet. In other words, because you drew this particular part of the map this way, what did you use? Now, we know they have to use population numbers. That's critical. They have to provide for uh, minority communities having a chance to elect representatives and senators. And, and, and communities of interest is a broad term that even includes cities and counties and communities that have uh, interests that are in common. But we're concerned about Christian County, Davis County, Franklin, Hardin, Jessamine, Madison, Pike, and Pulaski. And then one of the more interesting ones as far as um, the house is Laurel County. That's where London is. London being the main, obviously it's not huge, but the main sort of city area uh, in Laurel County and that general area. Instead of La Laurel County, having some sense of having a representative that would, would you know represent London, Laurel County is divided up with six other counties. Now what they say is, oh well that means they have six representatives who can represent their interests in Frankfurt. Well what we know that, that that's not well first off it's not reality. It doesn't work. First first of all you got to get those six people to agree and they all represent other different constituencies surrounding Laurel County, but not Laurel County itself and certainly not London. So that doesn't work. We learned that especially from Hopkinsville, which is in Christian County. They talk to us a lot. They've had their own public forums and town halls 
several times. Hopkinsville is a very compact city. You may have heard me say this before, uh, but they had three different representatives who, whose greater numbers were in the counties that they represented surrounding Hopkinsville and Christian County. So we know that that doesn't work. So in, in uh, Hopkinsville, your office might be in one district, uh, your kid's school in another, your church even in another. And then of course you might live in one of those three. So that doesn't work. And the question is, did they divide up in, in doing what they did this time, which, and I, I haven't got all of this uh, memorized yet, but if they gave it two districts, did they divide up the minority population in Christian County, which is not like Louisville or Lexington, but does have some significance. And again, that's why we wanna look at those particular counties. And then you have the Jefferson County um, area. And we know there that some things were done and we again, don't have enough of the data uh, and the principles that they use to in any way challenge that. And, and the question is, you can still gerrymander, even though you sort of look at it, you say, oh, well, that looks better than it did the last time. Maybe it doesn't have any tentacles, but you can still gerrymander in the way you spread out a district. So that's the question, obviously, that uh, Representative uh, Mackenzie Cantrell and Lisa Wilner have to deal with, uh, as well as Mary Lou Marzian um, and Josie Raymond. And again, I don't have enough specifics uh, to know about that. And I'm sure that they are looking uh, at that. What's interesting, though, is they've kept talking about, in fact, Representative Nima said this over and over, you know, about he talked about communities. I grew up in the south end of Louisville. And I know, you know, Southern Parkway is a dividing line. And and um, uh, Representative Mackenzie Candrell lives on this side, et cetera. But in the process, they spread that district out to put both of them in the same district, Wilner and Cantrell. But yet that district covers both the east side of I-65 and the west side of I-65. Now, that's a, certainly a big dividing line to think about. Do the, do the communities on the east side of 65, and of course, that includes also the, the issue of the airport and the fairgrounds and UPS. So we're talking about people who live in maybe Ottoman Park and then going all the way over to Southern Parkway. Uh, I don't think that makes any sense at all. But again, it will be up to them to figure that out. Again, we don't have enough data yet. We're hoping uh, we can get it. Um, we also had some uh, issues uh, in the House with Fayette County in northern Kentucky, uh, the same sorts of issues about how they were slicing and dicing the cities, uh, Covington and the cities along uh, the river are, are some issues there. And then they, did they take part of Covington and put it with the rural uh, Pendleton County next door. Um, where Covington is an old, old city that's been there a long time. They've apparently, as Representative Wheatley said, today they've annexed some, some uh, places. So uh, that's a, obviously a community of interest. So what about that? And then Pike County, also uh, some real issues uh, there. I Again, I can't talk about all the specifics there. We're trying to look at the data, get the data uh, to figure that out. So we were able to testify with our statement, which has gone out. Uh, our house statement has gone out today, as well as we put it, a house statement out on Sunday. Uh, we were able to testify today to that committee. I testified virtually. Uh, what alarmed us is we wanted to testify to the Senate today, but they would not accept virtual testimony. 
Well, with COVID, with the positivity rate, even just in Jefferson County of being over 20% and all the issues related to that, none of us were willing to go and risk going into the Capitol with people. And if you looked, how many people did not have on masks, both in the audience as well as uh, the senators and, and representatives. So we were disappointed in that, but we did read our uh, did have our statements submitted to the Senate committee. So what about the Senate work? What about it? Well, again, they said they Senator Cyber said, "Oh, we didn't put a pit incumbents against each other, which means they're protecting incumbents." But please look at the Senate map that should be uh, online, and, and there's some real questions, real questions there uh, about Jefferson County, Fayette County. Kenton and Warren. And in Jefferson County, one of the things that we noticed today is they've taken Senator Karen Berg's uh, uh, district and dropped it down where it almost goes from the Ohio River all the way down to the Bullock, Bullock County line. Uh, so that, that seems to be a real change. And why is that? Uh, and again, we just have to look at the data and, and be able to do that takes time takes time and all of this should not be uh, rushed. Now, one of the interesting things is, is that for whatever reason, uh, and I'm not sure it's related to law or, or whether it's related to just agreement, um, the House lets the state Senate deal with the congressional districts. Uh, again, again, interesting because the statements from the committee today were, well, we, we looked at these districts and we consulted with the representatives. We don't have any problem with that, but what about the people in the districts? So one of the things, and I don't know if you can see it in the background, I'll try to move one way or the other. Here's the old district of the House, of the Senate, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, of the congressional districts. And we've talked about this before, this kind of sort of a dragon here of the first district that comes all the way up to Marion. Uh, then there was the dog with the ears of the second district that goes all the way from Davis County. Uh, over to Garrett County. Okay. So those were obviously issues for us. Now I don't have a color example of this, but I'm going to hold Actually, it. I can pull it up for you. Can um, you? Yeah. Oh, good. All right. So let's pull up the new one. All right. Look at this. Just take a moment and look at that and see if that's an improvement of this old one. Just good Lord. It. District one is, that is insane. How can anyone think that is a rational way to draw a district? Exactly. Well, it puts, Franklin County, which is in central Kentucky, not far actually from Louisville. It's historically in District 6. Right. Historically in District 6, all the way over to Fulton County, which is on the Mississippi River. Now, yeah. there, there, I think there are two thoughts about this. We're not saying which is true or they could both be untrue. But what we know is that District 1 is represented by Comer. Comer has since moved to and been living in Franklin County for a while. His children go to school there. Apparently, they go to church there. Yes, he uh, supposedly has uh, a farm in Monroe County, but his, where he lives and stays most of the time is in Franklin County. And look what they did. If you show that map, you can see they, to, to get to Franklin County, they had to divide Anderson County. Again, you're right. That makes no sense. Another interesting thing is Boyle County. Look, see, look where Boyle County is right there, which has been part of. It's very, it's like 30 miles or less from Lexington has been put in this district. So that's a possibility where they protecting Comer. 
But then there's another theory. Well, were they trying to keep Franklin County out of the sixth district to try to wield more power in the sixth district? Because there's some thought that Barr, the 63 congressman, um, is weaker as far as anybody challenging him. Uh, and so is, is that, is that why they did that? Who knows? But well, yeah, they, Franklin County is certainly a county that can go Democrat. Uh, and it has in the past. It hasn't always, but it can. So that's more of a battleground county, which of course right. makes things easier for Andy Barr to hold on to the sixth district or any Republican to hold right. on to the sixth district, right. which is one we've kind of always thought as, as the next most competitive for a Democrat after, of course, you know, the Louisville based district. So. Yeah, and if you put the map back up again, Aaron. Um, yeah. So, you know, the question is, are they, would, would they say, oh, well, but look, we didn't divvy up, which was everybody was afraid of, we didn't divvy up the third district, Louisville. So there's just a little bit of Louisville on the east that is part of two. Of course, would it make more sense for it to be part of four like it used to be as a, and not have four come down? Again, you know, these are all the numbers and it just takes time to do this analysis. That's that's the issue. Now, one of the things that they always come back with, and Representative Nemus, who I've talked to uh, a, a lot about all of this, you know, well, the, the Democrats did this, the Democrats did that. You know, I, I agree. The Democrats for decades gerrymandered. I mean, they gerrymandered Louisville, they gerrymandered the state. Uh, as um, uh, Representative Angie Hatton said the other day, um, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. And one of the things that we've said to everybody we've talked to, but particularly the Republicans, is be the good guys, do it right, have an open process, have it transparent, take public input, and be the good guys for good government. Okay? Do that. I mean, you know, we there's still some issues about our voting uh, registration, and I know there was discussion about Senator Adams, but at least we're not other places in regards to that. And we could be better about the redistricting also. Now, yes, there were the population changes. Uh, in, in other words, one, and one of the things that was pointed out in the House maps was, oh, well, we put two Republicans against each other in the East and two Republicans against each other in the West. Well, they had to do that because right. the populations right. were changed. No way you could get around it completely. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely uh, no way uh, at all uh, to do that. I'm sure they tried. So, right. So, again, we're going to, you know, the, the, the fear is pretty strong, and I'm sure it's going to happen, uh, even though the Democrats are filing um, their own bill bills. Um, you know, they they want to rush this through. Now, they are... Uh, moving the deadline for filing um, just for one year, moving it back to the 25th of January, which it used to be just for this year. So if they're doing that, to me, they could spend from now until the 25th getting public input about these maps with all of the details and information that you need to really analyze it. Uh, and they're not doing it. I mean, one of the things to look at, if you look at the Senate map, the prior Senate map, Warren County, and, and that was one of the ones I think I was mentioning, uh, Kenton, Warren, Fett, and Jefferson. Warren County had its own senator the last time, and now it's diced up into three. So, you know, Bowling Green's one of the, and, and Warren County is one of the fastest growing counties uh, in the Commonwealth. It's part of the I-65 corridor. So, again, 
there is, you know, there's some democratic people down there. So again, what, what are they, what are they trying to, uh, what are they trying I to think, do? I think it's pretty clear what they're trying to do, Dee. Uh, Dee, this has been wonderful. And I, we appreciate all your insights here. Uh, you know, it seems like, you know, the, the, that fair and open and transparent process that you've advocated for, and in fact, demonstrated uh, was thrown out the window. They did not take the opportunity. You know, I, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, frankly partisan the gop absolutely did not take that opportunity to be the good guys uh and as angie hadn't said you know two wrongs don't make a right but you know maybe makes a left so i don't they they absolutely have uh have taken advantage uh that they you know that they had uh, every advantage they had they took advantage of and this is uh it's disappointing to see certainly but i don't are there legal opportunities to chat like that first district seems so clearly you know, gerrymandered to a point that it is, it's gotta be, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an election lawyer, but that seems, that should be illegal. Well, I I think because I am a lawyer, people ask me, you know, oh, are you going to, you know, we don't have enough information. Um, Obviously if these pass and there are other, there are lots of other groups that are looking at these, Um, you know, even the minority districts that they say they've increased the minority districts by one in Jefferson County. There's some question about that. Supposedly the NAACP approves um, not maybe as wholeheartedly as they seem to want, but again, you really have to analyze all those numbers. So I think there are other groups. So even if they pass them this week by Saturday, obviously the governor still has to sign them. The question is, will he veto them? And then, you know, then, then there's all the possibility of, uh, potential lawsuits. And, you know, we joined a lawsuit with the NAACP and the Urban League and the ACLU last year in regards to the voting issues. Uh, would we join a suit? We, we, we don't have the structure, you know, are, are they any, any way to file a lawsuit ourselves? Uh, but would we join? I, you know, I don't know. That's too early for us to make any of those kinds uh, of decisions. But I know lots of other groups uh, you know, are looking at it. And of course I got, you know, I got angry this fall thinking about all this because here we are, we're all volunteers. We put on a hundred plus presentations all over the state. We did eight public forums and what have they done? You know, it's like, wait, you're being paid to do this. You know, we're all volunteers. Yeah. Um, yeah. We should get our money back. I really think. Right. Uh, so no, Dee, thanks again. I know that Doug, I think Doug has a question for you. So I want to give it, uh, give it over to Doug, but we are going to need to to move on because we're getting close to our hour and we want to let people who are watching live transition to watch the governor uh-huh. in his state right. of the Commonwealth address. And that's so fine. I appreciate that. Yes, Doug. Uh, just a, a quick observation, I guess, on Comer. Um, it's, I think it's legal. He could live anywhere in the state where he wants to. Right, right. He can. I think the optics of him living in Frankfurt and it not being his district is something that he obviously was worried about. I can't imagine that the legislators just decided on their own to do that without input from, from him. Exactly. Because if you look at the map, they could have taken the population from other places. And it would have made more sense. It's just crazy. It real looking at first the historic first and second district. Like, well, that's clearly something that should get cleaned up. It's oh no, we found the one way to make it even more outrageous and ludicrous. Like, right, it doesn't make any sense to me. Right, you know what? One of the questions should be is, should we vote that you have to live in your in the district? I mean, maybe that's what should happen. I don't know. So, yeah. thank you all for having me. Really appreciate it. Check out our website lwvky.org. Lots of redistricting information as well as all kinds of other information too about voting. We actually have a voting uh, committee too 
particularly for uh, former felons. So look into that. Thank wonderful. you very much. Wonderful. Thank you, Dee. Thanks for all your hard work. Right. And I'm sorry that they didn't listen a little more closely to the very sensible suggestions you guys were making. All right. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Have a great night. Uh, all right. So we're going to need to close out. Uh, and I think uh, if, if uh, Kimberly's audio is working and if Kimberly is here, uh, I'm going to point, uh, point you to, to close us out. All right, Kimberly? Can you hear me? Yes. For the moment. <laughs> I love Miss D. I love her. The last time she was on, I said, if I could pronounce her last name correctly, I treated myself to some ice cream. Do you remember that? I do remember that. <laughs> so I'm going to say we got some chocolate ice cream and some vanilla in the refrigerators, the freezer. Mm -hmm. So D. Pregliasco. Boom. Correct? I think you got it. I think you deserve it. Treat yourself. Thank you. Thank you. But first, close out the show, ma'am. I sure am. So we'll be back next week. Oh, what? Uh, all right. She's right, though. Kimberly's right. We will be back next week. Uh, and I'm going to talk. If she comes back, she can absolutely cut me off and jump right back in. I'm here. I'm here. Right. Can you Go hear me? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. T-Mobile has to be the worst, right? So anyway, thank you so much to our great guest tonight. Um, she always comes with a wealth of information. Thank you to Annabelle, also our social media chair. She does a great job each week doing this um, podcast for us. And thank you so much to Dougie Fresh, as I call him, and to Aaron. And uh, we just really appreciate all that you guys do. So uh, come join us next week. I'm not sure who our guest is going to be, but I heard something was brewing and it's going to be absolutely great. Okay. So you got to make sure that you come back. Then also, I would just like to say very quickly, in addition to that, that um, production this evening was by Annabelle, as I said, and the Jones Report is coming back very, very soon. I'll let you know when. Thank you to Nate for the theme song. You can find more information and music at natosongs.com. And if you miss our weekly live stream on Facebook, don't worry. You can rewatch our shows and see our source links on Facebook and YouTube. Or audio podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. So I do need to say the disclaimer very, very quickly. Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State, Organized as a 501c4, is affiliated with the Indivisible Project and the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement, otherwise known as CAVE. Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. And some graphic content was provided by Couchfire Media. All right. And that's the wrap. Uh, folks, have a great evening. Uh, if you're watching live, go to KET now and check out the governor's state of the Commonwealth address. Uh, we will see you all back here next week. Wait a minute, Aaron. One thing, one thing. We got one minute. You know, I would just like to say our thoughts and prayers go out to Daryl Owens, who has uh, contributed over 50 years of political freedom for the state of Kentucky. And uh, we just give well wishes and prayers to his family uh, because he, he has passed. Okay. Love you guys. Do something good this week. Awesome. Thank you, Kimberly.